Uh, I think it's important for us to pay close attention. We're going to go into a psychology class uh, this morning. Um, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, how we thank you for our time together. Thank you for the saints of God. Thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives. Great is your faithfulness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I have, um, I've really had a very good and very insightful time in the word of God. Um, I'll never look at Jonah again because of the study. Um, I trust we will do the same because Jonah quit. <laughs> ah, what do you do when somebody's going to quit on God? Before we get into the text, I was listening to, I think his name is Michael Zelnick on uh, Saturdays when I have a chance to listen to him. Um, and he's one of the uh, Jewish professors there at um, Moody, I believe it is. Anyway, he was, uh, they were given a, a guy who made a statement said, I understand that when it comes down to the Jews for the past uh, 200 years, what has happened to the Jews, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, no, correction, the last 2,000 years. And he went all the way back uh, where, they, where it first started, all the way up to uh, some of our great reformers. Uh, when you talk about Martin Luther, when you talk about Augustine, you just read, just read what they said about Jews and their attitude about Jews. Um, and, the Jews and the Jews were saying, they have done all of this to us, and then they're talking about Christianity? Uh, this is the environment, and you ought to understand something, that when we're talking about uh, Jonah, he, he's a part of that 2,000-year history where we find the Assyrians have been greatly oppressing, vicious people oppressing the Jews. And, um, and Jonah's greatest day was to hear they're dead. Uh, not to hear the Lord say, I want you to go to Nineveh. Well, now, with that said, uh, let's begin to go into our text this morning. And um, we start off with uh, Jonah 3.10. When the, laws, when the Lord saw, when God saw that they did, what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But, you know, that conjunction with it function, you know. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. You, you see these, um, um, these, these words, uh, uh, what do they call them? Is it adverbs? Adjectives, okay, uh, exceedingly, and he was angry. Uh, and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said? When I was yet in the country, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love and steadfast love, and relenting, relenting uh, uh, from disaster. Wow. And for those who are not familiar with the whole idea, he was going to Tarshish, which was 3,000 miles, and he wanted them to go to Nineveh, which was 750 miles. And he was going to get away as far as possible and make sure that these guys would die 
based on what God was going to do. And this is one of God's men. Wow. Uh, we're not talking about a sinner. We're talking about people who know God, they have experienced God, and have to mitigate God to say no. Well, well, well let's, go, let's go further there. In review, we, uh, we could review the dynamics of a prophet with a toxic attitude. Now, I'm going to flow that through this whole time together. Uh, what's, that what's the two words there? Toxic attitude. Toxic attitude. I'm going to break that down to you, too. But Jonah had a toxic attitude uh, while proclaiming the word of God to a cond condemned uh, society. Uh, it's almost like uh, going and, and you're going to evangelize in the most segregated country, uh, state, state in America, and you know they hate you and everything else. Been, and you go back over your history and everything else, and God says, that's where I want you to go. And here's what I want you to say. And, uh, and well, the person said, well, okay, Lord, uh, you know how you feel. Uh, please remember that proclaiming the word of God is not dependent on what we think, how we feel, and the uselessness of our opinion. Please keep that in mind. What you think, how you feel, and your useless opinion does not, is not on the table when you're talking to God. We have one primary responsibility, and that is to do what we have been told and leave the details and results to God. What part of this we don't understand? I, can't, I want to read it back with it. You should know it by now. When God says something, just do it. I'm so glad that all of us are doing what God told us to do, right? Uh, okay, is it too many amens on that? I hear groans, but not many amen. Establishing the dynamics of the moment. Jonah was a Hebrew prophet of God who was to proclaim the judgment of the sovereign God of the universe. Jonah had proclaimed God's message to a corrupt society feared by their enemies. The word of God commissioned the impact of Jonah's message. Wow. We're gone. Concerning the word of God, there is what the writer of Hebrews called penned, notice this, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two of the sword, piercing into the division of soul and spirit and of joints and morals, and discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. All you have to do is just say the word, and God take care of the rest. Shoot the bullet, the bullet will do what it's designed to do. Shoot the arrow, and the arrow will do what it's designed to do. Hebrews 4.13, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to his eyes of him to whom we must give account. Uh, that's the word of God. Amen. Consider this. The impact of the word of God, which was given to Jonah, was not to condemn or destroy, but to establish an environment that was conducive for deliverance. Jonah knew that, okay? He knew that going to these folks, he would create an environment that God, where God could deliver. And Jonah said, I'm not going. I quit. Jonah was commanded and driven to tell the truth while nurturing a toxic spirit of destruction for those who would hear and believe God's word. It's like going among your enemies, you, you hate them, they hate you, and God says, 
You share the word with them, and you share the word, and, and you're saying, I hope you don't hear. I, don't, you don't, I hope you don't respond to it, because God got a little something, something for you. you know? I mean, you see the duplicity here? And that's what we want to analyze. We're putting Jonah on the table here and analyze this guy. He has a toxic spirit. And, and sometimes we try to do things for God carrying a toxic spirit, which cancel out what God would have done in your life if you only obey. Um, so um, when the Lord disciplined those who are his, it's not to destroy the person, but to align their priorities, perspective, and practice. It is very dangerous to nurture a toxic spirit while possessing a transforming word of God, the transforming word of God. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. And so I, I thought I'd kind of break out this quiet when we're talking about a toxic spirit. Let me just break out some things when we talk about a toxic spirit. Uh, and you just say whether you have a, a, a tinge of any of this. Okay. A person who possesses a toxic spirit has these characteristics sadness. I've never seen a person who has a very toxic spirit. Uh, spirit who uh, has tremendous joy. Negativity. Whatever you bring up, you know, uh, the person with a toxic spirit somehow going to cause, I always talk about the negative. You say the positive, boy, that bird is flying high. Say, yeah, it's going to run into a, a building anyway, going that high. I mean, all oh, this a toxic spirit. Bad attitude. Bad attitude. Uh, reading into a, what a person might think. Okay. Uh, selfish agendas, agenda, agendas, um, judgmental spirit, an unhealthy perspective on life, hurtful and derogatory words, and negative actions. Remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And Jonah, when he decided, he didn't say verbally, God, I'm not going. He just didn't go. But understand something. God knows our thoughts are far off. That means before you were even born, God knew how you're going to think. So God is not shocked by Jonah, what Jonah was doing. And that, that means that he just had to put you, put you on plan B. Here is the question on the table. What was God's purpose for the Ninevites, sailors, and obstinate uh, resistant and disobedient prophet. What was his purpose for all of these folks? Answer, we are given a clear picture and burden of proof of the right, the greatness of God's love and grace. His love will go to the darkest level of man's existence to bring them into the saving knowledge of who he is. Saints, that's what love is all about. When it says, love your neighbor, it didn't say, yeah, love your good neighbor or your happy neighbor. Love your neighbor, your toxic neighbor. It says, love them. How they, how they respond to you has nothing to do with how you should be responding to them. And so that this is where we're going to come down to Jonah. Jonah, you have the responsibility. I didn't, I didn't tell you to love the Ninevites. I just take, take the message. Uh, and so, saints, it's very important that we do that. And so God is teaching two lessons here. Uh, number one, when we look at Jonah, we see the toxic spirit of Jonah, and you see the tremendous love of God that will go so far as to go to the Assyrians. These vicious people, their enemies would hate to fall in the hands of the, uh, 
of the Assyrians because of what the Assyrians would do. They were vicious. Did I say vicious? And so what happened is that Jonah had to go to them and tell them, you have 40 days. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't come with good news, gave him bad news. Uh, and he was hoping that the bad news would become reality, that your bad news would be my day of joy. Of joy. 40 days and you're going to be dead. Uh, so his whole idea, idea was on that line. Uh, let's go to the next one. Here. As we observed chapter 4, the dialogue produced a reality check. In chapter 1, we were informed that, uh, about the negative response of Jonah to God's command. The reason for his response is revealed in chapter 4. First, so we have the reaction of Jonah. Then we have the reason for Jonah's actions and the reality check. Well, let's get into it. First, we look at the reaction of Jonah. Let's take a look at this. Jonah 3.10. When the Lord saw that they did uh, what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Here is a timeless principle about God our Father. Psalms 51.17. The, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Think of some of the worst people on earth. Well, it's Adolf Hitler. Uh, and, uh, and it says, if Adolf Hitler would have responded the right way, I would have saved him. You can go all the names. Idi Hamin in Africa. What he did, what it was Wow, what he did was vicious, vicious. But had he repented, God would have saved him. Because love does not have a limit as to who we say, who they say. It love or go to love extend. Do we have that type of love? Are we committed uh, to that level? We need to get to that level. We need to get to that level. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus said the one who is high and lifted, who inhabits the, the eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in, in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a trite, contrite, and lowly spirit, to revive the nature of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. He says, I'm sitting up and I'm just waiting. I'm the God who created them. And the uh, Imago, uh, the Imago die. He, he, God says, "I created you, and uh, I'm willing to forgive you. All you have to do is admit it." And guess what? And Jonah knew that. He knew that. Let's go further. His rage, Jonah four one. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. His flaw, expecting. Uh, expect, expectations were crushed. His, his furious emotions, uh, emotional response because of anger. He's been forced to give information that would forever change the faith and destination of his enemies. And we told you that it was close to 600,000 uh, individuals 
uh, in Nineveh, 600,000. You, you read um, 120,000, but go back and read it again. It didn't say 120,000. It said more than 120,000. Okay, and we explained uh, some numericals on that. But uh, the general consistency, uh, consistent, let's see, of uh, those who have done further studies said it was close to 600,000. You'd rather see them dead. Man, women, children, animals, anything that's connected to him, he wanted them dead. God killed them. There's a, in history, um, when um, there was a great uh, earthquake in uh, uh, Pompeii, and, um, and they show the, uh, that great uh, earthquake and the ashes from the uh, um, uh, from this this uh, volcano, and they're saying about the ashes and what have you, how it traveled over the water, and how those individuals who were there, they didn't have a chance. They didn't have a, a chance in the world. Every they were buried under those ashes because the ash before the ashes was a fume that would kill you immediately. And so, uh, so, the, so in Pompeii, and so Jonah says, wipe them out, Rome. Uh, Nineveh at one point had um, uh, a, a tremendous earthquake, and that's something to note about Nineveh. Uh, yet still, uh, he wants to see God really wipe these folks out. His rage. Lord, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you're not going to save these folks. And God suppose God, God is saying, these are the people I created. These are people I love. Here are 600,000 people who will hang with me forever or burn in the lake of fire forever. I don't care. Kill them. You know, there's one thing that about the Ninevites, that they had a problem. Jonah has a serious problem. Serious problem. Amen? His rage. The reason for Jonah's reaction, we, uh, when it comes down to, um, in Sunday school, we asked a question about, uh, we heard what people did, what people did, but asked why. Find out the why, why do you do what you do? And he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is it not this what I said? When I was yet in my country, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. That's the reason I did. I knew that. And you weren't against my feelings. You weren't against my expectation. You don't know what we have been through. And you did this? You know what, what one problem that, that uh, if God responded to something like that? He's not, he's not responsible to tell Jonah anything. God does not have to tell you why at any point. There are some things that you're going to go through and you're going to say, Lord, and why did you do this? And guess what? You're going to run into the, watch this. You're going to run into this thing here. It's called silence. There are some times when God does not have to say a word to you. He said it, that sells it, go on with it. So when we talk about this whole idea of, of God, um, he's, he's going to his review. He says, this is the reason I ran. This is the reason I did this. Okay. Observation. Jonah's disobedience was a deliberate act to alter God's plans 
to forgive the Ninevites, whom Jonah feared and hated. Consider the dynamics of Jonah's reaction, his declaration, his discernment, he is his deliberate and desperate response, his determined destina uh, destination, approximately 3,000, really 75 miles from Nineveh. You see, why did it say 3,075 miles? 3,000 to Tarshish. When he put him back on the shore, now he had to go 75 miles and go to uh, Nineveh. And I told you before, 75 miles, to put him in perspective, is going from here to Milwaukee, 75 miles. The width of the uh, the width of Nineveh, the width of Nineveh, uh, was a three days journey, and and that's uh and, and so from here to Detroit is the width of Nineveh. That's a lot. That is a large place, okay. And so what's happening here is that Nineveh said, I mean, uh, Jonah says, I'm not going. Uh, and and of course we know that the Lord uh, had an Uber fish to pick him up, and. Um, and do a little something, something to him for a while before he brought him to his senses. His decision was based on what he knew about God. So I, I tell you why I did it. Now this is our vocabulary: getting to know God. Uh, the first you, you see it on on the sheet there. What's the first one? He is what? He is gracious. He's gracious. He was gracious then. He's gracious now. He didn't cut it off in the, from the Old Testament. He's the same gracious God. That, that is the very essence of who he is. I said, the reason I knew that you're going to do what you're going to do, because you are gracious. He said, he said, he is what? Merciful. Lord, well, another reason, not only were you you're gracious, but you're merciful. You have pity on folks like this. I don't have pity on them. I'd rather see them dead. But no, you're merciful, and you're going to continually show this type of mercy. And that's the thing that bugs me. They're not getting the same benefits that I'm getting from you. And we're your chosen people. Kill them. That's why I got angry. Then I found out, slow the anger. Lord, we messed up on you so many times. In, in judges, we messed up on you so many times, and each time you sent a judge to deliver us and deliver us and deliver us, and we tempted you, and yet you would not let us go. Uh, and then you're going to show that same mercy to them? No, Lord, we're privileged people. Don't, don't, don't show them what you showed me. <laughs> that was that's personal. Oh, we have that type of mindset. That that's a toxic misguided individual he's abounding in steadfast love when we we talk about the steadfast love here we're not talking about a god pain we're talking about i think it's his head and that's the hebrew saying it's it's a love that is so placed and focused on your life throughout all eternity god so kiss you that he gave his only begotten son the same one who's merciful and gracious, he's the one that know you by name. That's why it's a good theological thing here if you look at this thing. We need to know this about God so that when you go through your roughest hour, your, your deepest hour, the most challenging hour, that the son says, he knows how much we can bear. We serve a wonderful Lord. Amen. Uh, then uh, it talks about his willingness to change his mind. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, New Testament, you see the word 
uh, and King James, uh, the, the, the beaten approach to it will be he repented. But repent means a change of mind. In armed services, you go in one way, you put your feet behind yourself, and then you turn all the way around and go another direction. It's a change of mind. God changed his mind. He didn't change the judgment. It's still sitting up there, you know. You can act crazy if you want to, okay? But he changed his mind. How many times did God change his mind toward you? And let me ask you a question. Have you messed up on God lately? Now, understand something. It's rare that God will kill you, but he will whip your Brutus Magnus. He will get you in a place where when he finishes, sometimes he'll do you, do you in in front of everybody. You ever seen parents whip their children? God will do you in in front of everybody to say, no, that's wrong. Whenever you say no to God, that is sin. And sin is considered as uh, that of witchcraft. And God hated witches. Okay. Let's go next. His request. Therefore, in lieu of what I said, though, therefore, since I laid out my case to you, I'm sick of these folks. He said, therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me. Now, he's the one, same one. Remember, he said, throw me overboard, you know, and he would have died, but God was gracious and caught him and held him by the fish. And then he said, salvation of the Lord, and then the fish spit him back out. And so each time you're going to see him say, take my life. I want to die. Shut up. Okay. For it's better for me to die than to live. We are witnessing Jonah's plea and his preference because things did not go according to his actions and misguided Hebrew patriotism. Because God didn't do it his way, that's what he, he did. Not, not to the Ninevites, but to God. That's the mind-boggling. You're, you're that adamant. You hate the Ninevites. But the one who loves you, who's merciful and all these other, you turn to him and say, I'm not going. So what did God supposed to say? Oh, well, we just, I just wanted to have this conversation with you. And uh, now, now watch how, and so, so the Lord says, okay, you try to run away. I got a little fish there for you, a big fish for you. And he'll, he'll take you around for a while and overfish and he'll spit you out. Okay. Now you say, uh, you get to me the, the, the argument. You know, this is why you're going to do it, okay? Take my life. I want to die, okay? Jonah doesn't end there. Oh, no. God said, no, no, no. You have to look at the whole thing going on here. You don't be telling God what you want to do. Let's go on. Consider this. This was the second time death was preferred uh, to God's loving intervention in the lives of a condemned society of 600,000 souls and animals. Jonah was at a place where his toxic spirit and attitude had twisted his perspective and values, leaving him with no hope or feeling of accomplishment. You're talking about a person that uh, I don't care what you did, he would not have laughed or smiled. He has a, he has a, and guess what? He has a bit, he's holding on to a bitterness that eventually got a hold of him. 
See, that, that's why it says, uh, be angry and, and sin not that not the sun go down in your wrath. Why? Because, yes, your emotions, you, you have emotions, yes, you're going to get angry. Don't, you can be angry. Don't let anger get so much of a grasp on you that it gets to that fertile cranium of your, your mind and start affecting your thinking and to the point where you start blaming God. Ah. Now, you've been very patient. Let's go to the third point. So Jonah gave his little speech and everything else. And here's God's response to Jonah. Okay. The Lord established a teachable moment for his disgruntled servant. And the Lord said, you do well to be angry. Now, now see, don't read that. Here's how it should be reading. I got it better here. Another way of phrasing this question is, do you have a right to be angry? Look at some of the other sources you find. That's what he's really saying. Do you do you have a right to be angry, John? Now, remember we were talking about the whole idea is when you go, when you do Bible study, you got to see who's holding the mic, okay? So right now the Lord is holding the mic and say, you, you know, um, uh, do, you, do you feel that you have a right, Jonah? Now, let's see what Jonah does, okay? Let's go to the next Now, therefore, as yet to be, uh, there, there was yet to a, be a response from Jonah, the stubborn and toxic action of Jonah. Jonah went out of the city. Did he, did he respond to God? No. He went out of the city, set to the east of the city, and made a booth for himself there. He sat down, uh, he sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. He already said he was a gracious, merciful God, compassionate. Then he turned around. Now the Lord says, "Well, you are okay. Do you, you have to. You have a right to have, uh, get angry." And Jonah, uh, Jonah didn't answer him. Jonah walked out of the city, walked out of the city, built his little booth, sat down, and waited for God to destroy. Wow. Uh, what do you do with a servant like that? And guess what? God didn't get, you'll find one thing, God never got angry. This is the only prophet, the only man of God that God used where he says to God, no, and does the opposite. And it does not, there's no remedy at the end. I wish there was a clap. There's no clap at the end. So let's go to this crap this in, okay? Let's go a little further. He, he went out. Let's go, go, go back to that slide again. He, he went out. He set to the east of the city. He made a booth for himself, okay? He sat under the shade of the plant, and he waited to see what would happen to the Ninevites. Wow. Wow. That is really something. What do you do with a, if you had a child like that? Uh, uh, well, anyway, that's that's another that's another story. Let's go on to the next slide then. The Lord provided a teachable moment for His servant. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head. So to save him from discomfort, so Jonah. 
Notice, he did this to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly, there's that word. There's that word. Now he's ex, virtually exceedingly angry. Now he's exceedingly glad. Thank you, Lord, for this plan. Thank you for the shame. You are wonderful, Lord. But that conjunction with a function. When dawn came up the next day, God appointed. See, these times, verse 6, God appointed. And verse 7, God appointed. When you see, when you see the, uh, him running away, God appointed a, a, a fish. God keep appointing uh, everything. Happened. He appointed a storm. Every time that you do something, he counters back. He keeps counting back and counting back. You, your arms are too short to box with God. Stop it. And so the, so the Lord says, so God says, okay, he says, you're, you're uncomfortable here. Here's a plan. Oh, Lord, you're so gracious. You're so wonderful. I praise you. You're Jehovah. Thank you, God. But when Don came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. He wakes up and says, no, you didn't. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't kill my plant. No, we're talking your plant. <laughs> I planted it. You sit down and rejoice on it, and now you can get an attitude. Okay. Uh, let's go to the next slide then. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of John. There's another appointment, right? God then appointed the wind. So see that certain right there? I want you to just blow real hard, real hard, and hot on him, okay? Okay. So, uh, so it's on the head of uh, Jonah, so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die. Okay, just another request. Lord, you may as well take my life. Lord, I want to die. First he rejoiced in the Now he wants to die. Uh, and said, I should die then to live. God used four powerful tools in confronting Jonah. A plant for comfort. A worm for destruction. A scorching east wind for discomfort. The sun beat down on his head. Now, of course, he didn't have a shaved head, and we'll be talking about that. But uh, uh, anyway, adding additional stress. He went through a whole lot. And then God shut it down. God can shut your blessing down at any time. At any time. Why? Because it's his. He can shed your blessings on, as a, of a home because it's his. Your blessing of a family because it's his. Anything you have, God can shut down at any time because it's his. But God said to Jonah, do, do you do well to be angry for the, uh, for the plant? In other words, do you have a right to be angry? Jonah picks up the mic and he said, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. I wish he'd take that out of his vocabulary. I mean, because Mark on your own. Mark, how many times Jonah talking about die? Now the Lord has the mic. And the Lord says, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh? That great city, which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. 
that should not have pity on human and beast when I created them? I ask you, do you have a right? And it's no, I'll answer for it, no. But I have a right to do what I want to do in your life. Saints, I don't care what the extreme is in your life. God has a right to have a say-so of yes or no. And he does not have to answer to you or me. But understand, whenever you address God, at least keep the things that Jonah was saying, that he was merciful and gracious and loving. Always keep that in mind before there's a tendency to blame God without keeping all of these things in mind. That's, that's the thing that um, I guess in my years of coming up, um, number of years, I guess I'm on psychiatrist couch now. But the thing is, when I was even younger, the whole idea was doing all of these things doing all of these things and uh, good things. And a person remember more of one thing you didn't do and forget all that you have done. Have you ever seen something like that? That happens over and over and over. I see it in the news over and over again. You know what? The next time, just this pause, be still and understand God knew that they were going to do what they're going to do. But that's not the thing on the table. The thing on the table is what are you going to do when I give you the responsibilities and you don't carry it out? And just think of my goodness to you. It wasn't a plan. I gave you a home, refrigerator, and, uh, and uh, everything to cook with. You can have some cornbread if you want to. But I mean, you, you had to have it made. I, I, I've done it for you. I've done it for you. I have a right. To bless you and nobody can go against you. But then too, I have a right to take everything from you. Not because I, look at this now, not because I hate you. you keep that in mind? When God does that, it's not because God hates you. It's just that he's still working in and through you, getting you ready for glory. So you won't be hung up in this world. And all this activity. Well, you've been very patient. Um, let's go on to other ends. The book of Jonah ends with two significant observations. Number one, God clarified that He was the has the sovereign right to exercise what He has predetermined. Number two, Jonah's response was not recorded nor his repentance for being disobedient, nor any change in his mind. You see, three, 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 one, the fact that, uh, he, uh, that he did not respond, he didn't re re respond to God, nor did he repent of his disobedience. Get this now, here's, here's the hanger. Neither did he change his mind. Jonas uh, is mentioned about two times in the Old Testament, about five times in the New Testament, Jesus referred to it and what have you. I, I, I can't find, I haven't read anything else where Jonah did have done anything significant. Jonah had a very toxic spirit. He was a Hebrew. See, uh, when it comes down to 
See, when you when you're among the Jews, you you can you can say Jews. When you uh, have enemies, you say I'm a Hebrew. And so he was a, a Hebrew Jew. Uh, he was in that position of uh, having the fellowship and a, and a, and to approach the throne of God to, when it comes down to the offerings and everything else. And he said no to God. If there ever was a passage of scripture to teach us a lesson, don't get full of yourself. Just because God saved you and have given you an eternal home and have given you the Holy Spirit to walk beside you every day of your life. And he, Jesus Christ says, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. You mean with all of these benefits, all of these benefits, we're still full shuffling. You know what that one word is, right? Hopefully. What's the one word that you think I'll ask? Why? Why? Well, Jonah expressed why he did it, and the Bible does not give a solution to that. One last thing. We'll read a few scriptures to close it out. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. I think I have a few more verses to go to the next one, too. But I say to you, whoever here, uh, here love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. You know, God is telling us that Jesus is telling us to do those things. Why? Because he's doing it. He's on the cross of Calvary and uh, after being spit in the face and beaten and at everything else. And he says, Father, forgive them for they do not what they do. And then the Lord tells us, whenever there's a thing going on between you and a saint, or whatever the case may be, the Lord says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. I'm pretty sure it's the last one. But love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Underline that, great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Wow. Well, we see this out of Jonah, right? He's kind to the ones who did not even know about him, and, uh, and yet still, he's God. Well, as we close the book of Jonah, um, I trust that you don't have a toxic spirit. Any bit of this toxicity is in, in your body or in your thinking. It, it will shut you down from hearing God and being where you should be. And all that God planned for you out of obedience, now he has another plan out of your disobedience. So you have to be careful. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, as we um, close our time together, thank you for the time. Thank you for the insight. And there are so many ways of coming, of coming at Jonah. This is only one way of looking at it. And I pray, Lord, that we learn from Jonah how we feel, what we think, uh, 
it, it does not matter on the table when you already have a command. Our response should be yes, Lord, and be obedient. Lord, if uh, we find ourselves having an inkling of what the, of the personality of, of Jonah, Lord, I pray that we confess it today. And you said that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just, forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for that. And then, Lord, I, I pray. I pray, Lord, for maybe one who do not know you as Savior. And, Lord, I might hear this particular uh, uh, message. I pray, Lord, this iPod, I just pray that they will understand how merciful and gracious you are. And you're still waiting. But there is a cutoff point. There is a point where you say enough is enough is enough. And Lord, I pray that they admit that they're sinners, that they can't save themselves. That Jesus Christ came in the flesh, died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And then to ask Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and make me a part of your family. I believe what Jesus Christ has done. I pray that that would happen. To the believers, we just admit, pinpoint, what it is in our lives and put it all on the altar. And you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for what you're going to do. Great is your faithfulness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.